Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. All right, the Super Bowl is set. It's the Chiefs at the Buccaneers. Buccaneers hosting a Super Bowl. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. This is Fantasy Football Today. Today on the show, we're going to review uh, all of the coaching hires. We've talked about it. Obviously, you guys talked about it over the last couple of weeks, but we'll review it a little bit. The best and the worst. we got some offensive coordinator news. And, of course, we're going to talk football. We're going to say goodbye to the Packers and to the Buffalo Bills. And who do we like better next year, Josh Allen or Aaron Rodgers? And how close is it? You know, those types Where's of Where's Aaron Rodgers playing? Yeah, we're yeah, going to see Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is ready to say goodbye to the Packers. I hope not. I hope not. Um, well, why not? You know, maybe maybe he needs to change the scenery. I don't know. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about all that. Hey, guys, it's good to, it's good to be back. Welcome, Welcome back. back. Thank you. Thank we you. missed you. We did? did? I listened. I mean, we did. I'm just being nice, Dave. Come on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we actually missed Heath. We didn't really miss you. Yeah, Heath will be on later this week. Uh, you guys did a great job without me. Well done. FFT and 5 was great. Uh, good stuff, and uh, yeah, and let's let's go. All right, here's the the couple of hot topics. Number one, which head coach made a worst worst decision by electing to kick a field goal instead of go for the touchdown? Was it Sean McDermott twice or Matt Lafleur? Matt Lafleur. Yeah, I don't know that I agree. <laughs> what? I love and he's back, agree. folks. Both of them, <laughs> both of them made, both of them were wrong, right? I mean, both of them were wrong. But I mean, Matt Lafleur. Look, yeah, uh, I understand the thinking. He had four timeouts, right? Uh, the two-minute warning. And Brady but, was playing pretty poorly at that point. He had a bad second half. They were getting off the field. Like they, they, it wasn't have the MVP. I don't care. It wasn't like they were stopping. Yeah, but it was fourth and eight. They, they had, they had gotten it's zero yards on the previous care. three plays. It, it, you you basically said, this, this, if this is why Aaron Rodgers wants to leave, I can't blame him for it. You basically said, I don't trust you mm-hmm. in the biggest no. moment of the season. Yes. At no. the, at 10 yards to go. They, they, were, they were one of the best teams in the red zone. Eight yards. He's obviously one of the best quarterbacks. He doesn't make many mistakes. The Bucks defense was playing great, but you have them on their heels. And it's, it's, it's uh, a play to get yourself to the Super Bowl and you took it out of his hands and put it in the hands of your defense, which, yes, it played well in the second half, but it was handed to them in a lot of ways. I mean, Brady made mistakes, but there weren't mistakes that they created. Those were mistakes that were almost generated by themselves. Yeah, I, it was the wrong call. You, they, I would have gone for it for sure. But I think McDermott twice, for, I think it was fourth and goal from the two or the three at the end of the first half and then early in the second half, about actually about five and a half minutes left in the third quarter, it was fourth and two or yep. three from the like the eight yard line. So you're inside the 10 twice. That was the difference. I mean, it was fourth and goal from the eight for the Packers. This was a much more makeable first down twice. And meanwhile, you know, the Packers defense had been doing a decent job in the second half. The Chiefs, when McDermott kicked the field goal the second time to keep it a two possession game, the Chiefs had scored 
24 points on their previous four possessions. There was no way you're winning that game with field goals there. You can't get any stops. So I think that was... I think They're that was, wrong. yeah, they both were wrong. I, I yeah. mean, I, that's where I'm the weirdo, and I think that the Bills' decisions were worse. But, uh, like, but I, I think the there's almost least, no chance you win by kicking the field goal there. Uh, by, at the very the least, McDermott had time. Like, he, he had Not time. He had much. a whole second half on the first field goal, yeah, and then well. he still had the fourth quarter after kicking the second field goal. Right. So, like, he at least had the benefit of game clock, whereas LaFleur knew that he was potentially kicking the ball away and not getting it back. Now, to be yeah. fair, if the game is called the way the game is called the entire game, it was certainly a penalty on Kevin King. Absolutely penalty on Kevin King. But they let everything go that game. Everything go. And they decide then that they're going to make the call. Now, again, call should have been made. That was such an obvious call, though. Agreed. Agreed. But if you're playing, if you're, if you're refing the game that way for 48 minutes, you got to be consistent throughout the course of the game. Sure, but I didn't have a problem with the call. I had a problem with the timeliness of the call because it felt yeah. like the ref, like he had his flag tucked yeah, in. He waited. Yeah, he waited a long ass time. But when when you see a defender grabbing jersey like that, or totally. But I mean, you know, was, there, there was a play earlier was the where right on the on the interception from Rogers, where uh, Lazard was held on his his shoulder pad. I mean, For sure. Was, Yep, it was it, not as egregious. Not as egregious. No, it could have could have been missed. I, it was still pretty egregious. I, I, I totally agree. It totally could have been agree. missed. Whereas Re- replay was overlooked in, in game action. It wasn't egregious, right? But Fair. that was pretty pretty obvious on Kevin King. The problem is, is just you've been calling the game like that the entire game, and then you decided that moment. So had Lafleur got the ball back, it could be a totally different story. Yeah, and the thing is with Lafleur is even if you go for it on fourth and goal from the eight and you don't get it, you still have four timeouts with the two minute warning. And a chance to get the ball back with good field position if you get off the field. Obviously, right. you need to score and get the two-point conversion. It's not going to be a five-point game. But, yeah, they, they both screwed up, uh, unfortunately. And he made, he made a brilliant coaching move, which a lot of people oh, don't yeah, yeah, yeah. do, is when it was second and one. Oh, yeah, he verbaled it. Give him the first down yep. and save his timeout. Well, why didn't they decline that, though? I know, that was bad on Bruce Arians. Yeah. All right, well, I... All right, and another thing, I don't want anybody to get mad at me, but have you kind of felt like the playoffs have been a little disappointing so far? What? Did you not watch yesterday? Well, did you think the Chiefs game was good? I, it was entertaining. So look, it, was it a great back and forth nip and tuck no, game? A, no, it was, but a, it was, it was fun. a lousy AFC championship game. And let's be honest, it was a blowout. Uh, we've had some good games. We haven't had the photo finish yet, you know? Sure. So I just think we're, uh, mi- we're missing we're saving the, that for we're missing the a epic moment. Sunday. Yeah, hope so. Um, all right, final hot topic here. Two of two. Who wins the Super Bowl? Give me your early pick. I, I mean, it's hard to pick against the Chiefs, but yeah. the fact that it's Brady again and the Eric Fisher injury to me yeah. is so concerning because that yeah. defensive front for the Bucks is so good. They really got after Aaron Rodgers. You saw the absence of Bakhtiari and how much that meant to the Packers' offensive line, um, but. I mean, Mahomes is just on a different level right now. It's, it, you know, you see when he's playing and you go back, it, it's hard to say, you know, you look at the previous games because um, these two, these two games, the AFC and NFC championship games were rematches from earlier in the season. Well, the Super Bowl is rematch from week 12. Uh, Tyreek had 200 yards in the first quarter in that game. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's uh, I don't know how Tampa's going to stop them unless they just beat up Mahomes. And if they beat up Mahomes, the Bucks are going to win. But I, I'm going to pick the Chiefs as of now. Me too. I, I, I'm going to look into just how, which team has the better pass rush. That's always been a factor for me when picking 
who wins a Super Bowl. And uh, I just last year I picked against Mahomes, looked good for three quarters. Uh, I'm I don't think I'm going to do it again. They're unstoppable. I mean, you cannot cover Tyreek Hill. You can't cover Travis Kelsey. Tyreek Hill is, is playing. He's just on another level right now. You could cover question, Kelsey uh, if you didn't have to worry about the rest of the receivers, but you do. So that's why Kelsey and they, is and, and they may get Watkins back. You're going to get five of Zolaire with two more weeks to get healthy. Uh, but I do think the Fisher injuries is, is tough for them. I don't know if yes. Mitchell Schwartz can come back. I'm not sure if that's possible or not. I don't think he um, can. I, I saw somebody speculate on that, uh, that there was a possibility. But I, I think you're right, Dave. I don't think he can come back. Um, I posed this question on Twitter. Is Travis Kelsey now the best tight end in NFL history? Uh, Most people said no. Really? Okay. I thought maybe in the the moment people would say yes to that. No, it was, it's funny because like I, I tagged, I tagged the chiefs and you get a lot of Tony Gonzalez, you know, so I'm I'm sure he's being respectful of what he did. Obviously Gronk, you know, like somebody replied, no, it's Gronk. Gronk. Prime Gronk yeah. is still better than Prime Kelsey, but it's close. It really is. If you look at the numbers, the, mm-hmm. they're close. They're really close. Yeah, yeah. He's um, in the conversation. It's pretty He's just. This was the best year ever for a tight end. You'd have to say that. Um, the yards, certainly. Uh, all right, trivia question for you. Who had the highest catch rate in the NFL? Minimum 40 targets. He played yesterday. Highest catch rate in the NFL, minimum 40 targets. He lost I yesterday. Will, I will say Cole Beasley. I was going to say Beasley too, but it could be Alan Lazard. Uh, he is on Alan Lazard's team. Tunyon. Robert Tunyon. 88% catch rate for Robert Tunyon. We're going to talk about him a little bit later. He ended up as the number three, I believe the number three tight end in fantasy. Here's your sad stat of the day. Wah, wah. Detroit has now gone six straight seasons without a running back reaching 650 rushing yards. 650. 650. <laughs> That's pathetic. Six straight seasons. That's really bad. Well, maybe they can fix that with uh, the new coaching staff. Coaching staff's new coming up later today. New quarterback, yes. Matthew Stafford and Deshaun Watson could be on the move um, that's going to be pretty exciting if those guys get traded. I mean, not for the Lions and the Texans. Do you imagine but... that this offseason you have Trevor Lawrence coming in the NFL? We expect him to be a star right away. You have uh, Wilson from BYU. You have Fields from Ohio State. Those guys have the chance to be potential starters. And now you have potentially on the move Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, and San Francisco thinks they're getting all three of those guys. <laughs> um, I, I saw a, a blogger for the 49ers tweet uh, – Stafford on first down, Watson on second down, and Rodgers on third down. How do they lose? Um, Garoppolo could be on the move. Darnold could be on the move. Um, Wentz? Uh, Probably Wentz not, but possibly. Um, there's there's just uh, a lot of moving parts for a lot of potentially great quarterbacks. It's going to be a really crazy offseason in the NFL. All right, so, All so where do you want to see the salary it? cap being crunched down from what it was the year before? I asked Chris, you know, where do you want to see Stafford and Watson go? And he said the number one destination for him, uh, this is on FFT and five, would be Denver, which makes a lot of sense. You got a really good young receiving core there. Uh, I, you know how much I love Kyle Shanahan. And I think when you just look at the efficiency of Garoppolo and even Bethard and Mullins, what these guys are able to do, I would love to see a great quarterback end up there. Uh, where would you guys want to see, whichever quarterback, whoever gets moved first, where do you want to see him go? Those are I'd the like two Watson spots. in Houston. <laughs> <laughs> that would, that would be fine. Good luck with that. Um, 
I mean, yeah, Stafford to Denver. Uh, to me, the, the 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 prime locations are fantasy wise right now would be New Orleans if Drew Brees does retire, Denver, uh, San Francisco, and Carolina. Those are my four favorites in terms of teams that could have potential openings or get a quarterback upgrade. Now the Colts are very good from an NFL standpoint, but they just don't have the weapons right now. I mean, if they can find a way to upgrade over T.Y. Hilton and, and or maybe keep Hilton and, and just add somebody else, then they become in the mix. But just from a fantasy perspective, those four teams are my favorite. Yeah, I did a Twitter poll yesterday. Where do you want to see Matthew Stafford end up? And obviously, I didn't have all of the options, so I didn't have some of the better options, quite frankly. But Washington, San Francisco, New England, Indianapolis, and Indianapolis got 45% of the vote, crushed the competition, and that kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break here on Fantasy Football today. When we come back, conference championship questions as we talk about the two teams that were eliminated yesterday, Josh Allen versus Aaron Rodgers. Um, also, would the Patriots have made the playoffs with Tom Brady this season? Think about that yes. during the break. We'll be right back. <laughs> Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever, and this time it's every competitor for themselves. Best the Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. So looking ahead to 2021, let's assume Aaron Rodgers is back with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Dave, how far apart in the rankings are Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers, and who do you prefer? And these were the top two quarterbacks in fantasy and the top two scoring offenses in the NFL. I've got him six spots apart with Allen. I've got Allen as my number two quarterback. I think I started with him as my number three. Check that. He's going to be number two behind Mahomes. And I'm nervous about Aaron Rodgers coming close to replicating what he did in 2020. So Rodgers is down a little bit for me, not Josh Allen. Jamie, how about you? Yeah, I, uh, right now I have Allen two and Rodgers six. And so uh, I, I think, you know, um, I hope Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay. You know, it'd be, it'd be a shame if he wins an MVP, gets the NFC Championship game two years in a row, and is unhappy and leaves and goes to a potentially worse situation. You know, um, San Francisco, I don't think, would be such a downgrade. But, um, you know, I, I, I would hate to see it from all of the parties involved from the Packers skill position guys as well. But I think, uh, you know, Dave sort of references, he had uh, um, a nine-point jump in his fantasy points from 2019 to 2020, Rodgers did. Uh, Allen had a big jump as well, but you know, you're seeing a player ascending as opposed to Rodgers, you know, maybe just having sort of a, not a fluke season, but you know, um, maybe just a, a, a significant spike for whatever reason, you know, second year in the offense, feeling more comfortable. Uh, there will be some level of letdown, but uh, I, I still think Aaron Rodgers can be a number one fantasy quarterback. And I'm not going to go down that road and say he's not. Yeah, one kind of sneaky issue with Aaron Rodgers is his rushing totals. Now, two straight seasons, he's actually set a career low in rushing yards per game. So he's not going to get you 200 rushing yards. He got you about 100, 150, 149 this year in 16 games. He had a 9.1% touchdown rate, 
which is really, really high. <laughs> it's basically what Lamar Jackson had last year, and and there was some regression. Jackson had a pretty high rate this year, but not even close to last year. All right, uh, question number two. Robert Tunyon, he was the number three tight end in fantasy. You already heard the stat. He had the highest catch rate, caught 88% of his targets, but only had, I think, 53 targets on the year. Is he a top 12 fantasy tight end for you going into 2021 as of right now, Jamie? He is, you know, and and we'll see uh, if that changes once the rookies are in and any movement uh, where Hunter Henry goes, who replaces Henry, you know, some of those things. But, you know, I think you just look at it right now is this receiving core has holes. Um, You know, Valdez, Gantling and Lazard are good. They're not great. They're not the type of number two receiver that you like to see for an elite quarterback. Obviously, Devontae Adams dominates targets. He should. Hopefully that remains the case. But they've used uh, Tunyon quite a bit, you know, and even when Lazard came back, you know, you wondered how it would all work, you know, with him uh, coming back from the, the abdomen injury that he suffered earlier in the season. And Tunyon was was great. He's touchdown dependent. He's not a, uh, oh, my God, I have to have Robert Tunyon on my fantasy team. But once you get past the, the five or six guys that you're going to be happy about, you know, certainly after the top three, I think he's in that conversation to be a guy that you'll settle for, um, you know, mid round to late round pick. And, you know, he can get you through the first couple of weeks knowing that Aaron Rodgers trusts him and he's not going to make a lot of mistakes. Dave, would you take a shot on a guy like Evan Ingram or Robert Tunyon? I'd probably veer toward Tunyon. And I actually, when I initially sent in my tight end rankings, Tunyon wasn't in there. Uh, yes, he is a top 12 tight end. I think Jordan Love is going to have to lean on him quite a bit <laughs> next year. Um, short area target and outlet form. him. No, uh, we don't know if that's going to be the case. I hope it's not for Packers fans, obviously. But it, Jamie's right. They, they do have holes at receiver. I, I think that Rodgers may be building confidence in Valdez Scantling and Lazard as, as the season went on. Certainly those guys made plays. Valdez Scantling made a great play against the Bucks. But if if the Packers do add more help at receiver that theoretically would take targets away from Tunyon, there is some bust potential for Tunyon uh, at tight end, which is why he probably won't be any higher than like fifth or sixth and probably no lower than 10th or 11th in my tight end rankings when they come out. Okay, but, but just to be clear, like he had 53 targets. These were the targets for the Packers. Mm. Devontae Adams had 149, and he missed almost three full games, missed like two and a half games. Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Aaron Jones were second. 63 targets, 149 for Adams while missing two full games and half of one. 63 targets is next best on this team, except Aaron Jones also missed two games. Tunyon had 59 targets, sorry, 52 catches on 59 targets. All right, third question here. Um, did Is the Brady versus Belichick debate settled? And would the Patriots have made the playoffs this year if they had Tom Brady? I don't think it's fair to judge Belichick's uh, season this year because, you know, he had so many guys opt out. Um, a lot of key players on defense and you know, the quarterback situation was a mess. Now that's partly him to blame clearly, but uh, I think uh, Brady wins round one. Um, it's hard not to say he won round one. I mean, went to the Super Bowl. Um, but uh, I don't, I don't want to say that Belichick is, uh, is, is never going to be successful again without Tom Brady on his team. Um, would they, would they made the playoffs? The playoffs? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think so. They would have needed 10 wins to be in the conversation to make the playoffs this year. And what they have six wins with Cam. Yeah, I don't so know how many passing touchdowns. The team is real. That roster is really just not very good this year. I, I, I roster hasn't been good for years. Well, they had some right. good defensive pieces though that, as you mentioned, opted out. 
Well, certainly on the defensive side of the ball, that yeah. was the case. Yeah, yeah. But on offense, like if, if Brady's there and Edelman were to stay healthy, that would always give the offense a semblance of life. Uh, is Grock resigning? If Brady stays in New England, like those are the factors. Like who's who's staying in New England? Well, just no. If it, the same season, except instead of Cam Newton, I'm going to say that of, they don't make the playoffs. They're probably nine and seven, and on the outside looking in with Brady. Okay, this was the first time in his career that he's made the playoffs and not won the division. You know that? Oh, interesting. Brady. When was the last time a wild card team made the Super Bowl? Made the Super Bowl? Yeah. It doesn't happen um, that often. Were the Eagles a wild card team? Or they won the division? No, they, they won, won the, the division. division. I'd like to look into that. Schrager, what do you think? Can you look into that? Yeah, I'm thinking the Ravens did it a few years ago. That was more than a few years ago. but I mean, that, that was like probably 10 years six, ago. seven but... years ago. Uh, oh, when they it. won, yeah. Were they a wild card team? Yeah, remember the game in Denver? No, <laughs> but I'll take your word for it. Blacko with the big play at the end of the game? The big bomb at the end of the game? No, I don't remember. Uh, I, by I the way, no I saw memory. this. This is from ESPN Stats and Info. Um, Brady has played in as many Super Bowls in his 40s as Aaron Rodgers, Dan Marino, and Drew Brees have in their careers. Wow. It's wild. All right, so, uh, let's uh, let's go up to the Bills here. Questions about the Bills. How are we feeling about Cole Beasley and John Brown, Dave, next year? I think Beasley is still going to be you know, that safe security blanket that Josh Allen leans on in the slot. I think that's what his role is. John Brown is a receiver that the Bills can walk away from if they don't want to pay him or if they want to replace him. Maybe they think that they've got something special with Gabriel Davis. Maybe they want to get younger at that spot. I, I could see John Brown being on a different team in 2021. So I, I think Beasley is the piece that's going to be there for sure. Okay. I feel like an idiot, by the way, Schrager, letting me know the 2018 Eagles were a wild card team. So oh, yeah, I, thought, I thought they might have won the division. I thought so too. Um, okay. So 2018 Eagles, the last team that went to the Super Bowl and they won it. Uh, yeah, you look at John Brown, his 16-game pace, and Cole Beasley's 16-game pace, it really wasn't even close. Hmm. Beasley, uh, almost about 200 more yards, 28 more catches, and 114 targets. That was his pace compared to 92 for Brown. There were some injuries involved, some mid-game injuries, but uh, Beasley was much more productive than John Brown. Let's say they're both back on the Bills. Who are you drafting first, Jamie, John Brown or Cole Beasley? I probably will still take John Brown first. Uh, Beasley's, um, it's closer in PPR than non-PPR, but I still think John Brown's ceiling is higher. Um, if I'm Buffalo, I run it back from a passing game perspective. You know, Brian Dable looks like he's going to be there. And um, I think, you know, barring uh, any changes to, like Dave said, you know, they can move on from John Brown, which wouldn't be a surprise. But I would, I, you know, I mean, Buffalo – had an amazing season and the AFC East looks to be theirs for a while. They have, you know, arguably uh, the second best quarterback in terms of young up and coming quarterbacks in the league uh, with Allen behind Patrick Mahomes. The upgrade for them is their running game. I mean, that's the biggest thing they got to fix, um, you know, whether it's their run blocking or just getting better talent back there. Uh, but I think, you know, if, if, if they can keep the band together and, and, you know, you have a speed threat in Brown. You have a good slot receiver in, in Beasley. You have a guy that could do everything in Stephon Diggs. It's a, it's a very good unit. And then Dawson Knox is a, is, a, is a tight end that works well in their system. Oh, yeah, that's my next question. Is Dawson Knox a sleeper tight end? On a bit of a touchdown binge these days. 
who is he playing in week one? He, he, he's, he, he's a poor man's Robert Tunyon. You know, he just doesn't yeah. score as consistently. You know, so if, if you, again, you miss, I, I think he's, he's somewhere closer to 15 to 20 as opposed, as opposed mm-hmm. to 12 to 15. But he's, he's in that conversation. You know, he showed you some things. You, you saw last night, or excuse me, Sunday night when he was featured, uh, when they were throwing the ball over the place. He, he made some nice plays. That was last night. Yeah. You could say last night. Sure. Everybody's going to listen to this as soon as it comes out. They know I'm back, you know? They've been waiting. Um, uh, no. Five touchdowns in his last eight games now, including the postseason for Dawson Knox. Uh, that's way better than he did in college. Okay, Zach Moss. Do you think, Dave, <laughs> is Zach Moss going to be a fantasy starting no. running back? No? Why no. not? No, I think Buffalo. And this would be the scary thing about taking Josh Allen as the second quarterback off the board right now is that Buffalo could really find somebody that they love at running back in the draft, and that would potentially take the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. Uh, he, he the the entire offense all season long ran through Josh Allen. Everything was him. Uh, there there was not a run game that was legitimate in Buffalo pretty much all season long. They didn't trust Moss and Singletary. So if they try to improve that area, of course that's going to take away everything from rushing yardage and rushing touchdowns to pass attempts from Josh Allen in 2021. And I just I, I think Moss is is a solid running back and and a complimentary back, a physical back, but not somebody who's going to be their feature guy or even their one B uh, going into next year. He'll be on the roster, but he won't be there. He won't be. I, I would be stunned. I'll put it this way: I'd be stunned if he was their feature back. I wouldn't be. I, I I just don't. I mean, again, you know what what's what's your investment level in that position? You know, are they drafting somebody else? Are they spending money on somebody else? You know, do they feel like that's their missing part of their offense? So if it's the same two guys, I think Moss has a chance to be um, the, he, he's the better of the two, in my opinion. I, I just think he runs better than Dem Singletary. I don't, I don't, I don't think that Singletary is, you saw it last night. They lost faith in him. They benched him mm-hmm. uh, for TJ Yeldon, you know? So um, I hope Moss is healthy. I hope he gets to show a little something that he didn't get to show this year. Uh, he got hurt early in the season as well, but if, if that's the same two guys, then I think Moss will be somebody that falls in drafts, rightfully so, can end up being a flex option for you and then things go well. It's, it's, it's such a good offense. Like That's just the thing that they haven't done very well is you can throw to score and then run to win. They just didn't run to win. They threw to win, <laughs> you know, and that was the problem. <laughs> you know, they, they didn't have a lot of production late in games from their ground, ground attack. It is a good offense, but it's also an offense that right now doesn't throw to the running backs a lot. I mean, Singletary had a decent amount of catches, but but – so many of them were in the first four weeks, and then after that, he had almost a very, very little role. And, and a lot game. of that came when Moss was hurt. Uh, two of the games, were, yeah, were with Moss hurt, and uh, two of the four. And then um, the other thing was Josh Allen has eight or nine rushing touchdowns three straight years. That's hard to do. Uh, it's just like hard to predict he's going to have eight or nine. But these guys don't score. It's it stinks. It's this was a terrible. Considering they were the second highest scoring team in the league, I think I think it was Green Bay one, Buffalo two. Uh, for them to have such bad production from their running backs is kind of startling, and you know surprising. But you want you want happens. to see one of those two guys or whoever else they bring in become Damien Williams from 2020, 2019. Yeah. You want to see that type of player. Offense was fantastic for the Chiefs. They still got good production from a running back. Yeah. So will one of those two guys do it? Probably not. But you know if they get you seventy five percent of that, that'll be a decent fantasy option for you as a third running back or fourth running back. All right, last question here. Who would you rather have in a dynasty league, Stefan Diggs or Devontae Adams? Adams, one year older than Stefan Diggs. Who would you rather have in a dynasty league? 
Well, I know who Diggs' quarterback is going to be next year. That's true. I'm telling you, man, Rodgers is ticked off, and he, rightfully so, like we talked about. If Adams is catching passes from Jordan Love or somebody else at any point of his career, I can't say that he's going to be the best receiver in the NFL. He needs Aaron Rodgers, and he needs Aaron Rodgers playing like Aaron Rodgers played this year. I'll take Diggs. I would take Diggs, not necessarily so much for 2021, but more for 2022, because I think Rodgers is almost certainly gone by then. And so I would imagine Diggs and Allen are there in two years. The other thing about this is, and this is a little broader conversation, but um, I think our audience, especially the people that are listening to it now are probably too smart for this. But if you're, if you're looking at it, you should be making offers right now to any of these teams that are looking at quarterbacks for their wide receivers. You should be looking at the Jets wide receivers to try and get them cheap. You should be looking at the Broncos wide receivers to try and get them in trade. You should be looking at Michael Pittman to try and get him in trade. Because if any of these teams get these quarterback upgrades, Stafford, Watson, Rodgers, uh, Wentz, any of these situations where it's not a rookie coming in and there's a little bit of a slow build to it, you could be in great shape if you get them at the right price. So be aggressive, try and trade for these guys. You know, I mean, you can probably get Jameson Crowder cheap. Denzel Mims is cheaper now than he was as a rookie. Um, Rashad Perryman, if the Jets decide to keep him for whatever reason, you know, those type of players, obviously, you know, Brandon Ayuk is going to be expensive. Michael Pittman is going to be expensive, but you know, you might be able to get these guys in trade. And if they get a Deshaun Watson, or if they get a, uh, Aaron Rodgers, just think about where their value now becomes do it before the move happens. Be aggressive now in your dynasty league. Don't go crazy for Crowder though. The Jets can save over 10 million if they can. Right, I'm not saying that guy in particular, but I'm saying, right. you know, any, Mims any is the team, one with the any Jets of these teams right. that have significant quarterback upgrades coming, especially if it's a veteran guy, the Jets get Deshaun Watson. That's really his preferred destination. Think about what Denzel Mims could be. Get him now before it happens. I find that so hard to believe. Well, couldn't that also become Will Fuller's preferred destination? Uh, Maybe. It could be anybody. It could be a matching pair. Mims could still be the number two. I I get what you're saying. I love what you're saying. The minute that the Jaguars said that Daryl Bevel was their offensive coordinator, Marvin Jones tweeted the Jaguars team site with a Grinch symbol. He's a free agent. I'm sure he'd love to go play with Trevor Lawrence and go there. Wait, why guys, a, Gr- wait a Grinch? Oh, Isn't that a bad huh? thing? I'm not, I mean, I'm not. A, no, it was like the smiley, like sneaky smiley face. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, all right. Um, all right, so we'll talk about all those new coaching hires in just a moment. Want to promote something, though? The CBS Sports app. All right, you got to download it. Um, and we've reached the point of the year. There's a lot of sports going on right now. You got the NFL, obviously. You got college basketball, hockey. Hockey's back. NBA in full swing. Uh, golf is a sport, according to some people, and that's why we wanted to tell you about the CBS Sports app. And now it's not just the best scoring app for your phone. It's also where you get breaking news alerts, uh, stories by your Fantasy Football Today crew, standing schedules, team pages, all the sportsy digital stuff that you're used to. And, of course, if a game is airing on CBS, that means it's streaming on the CBS Sports app. It's pretty easy. Just go ahead and download it, re-download it if it's got that little cloud logo next to it on your phone, And you know we love those five-star ratings, so don't hesitate to drop one for the app. If you do, tweet us a screenshot along with a mailbag question for us to use on an upcoming episode. You know, Leave us a nice five-star review for the CBS Sports app and a question. Give us a screenshot. (laughs) Thank you very much to our FFT listeners for helping us out and downloading that app. All right, so the news and notes. So Detroit's looking to trade Matthew Stafford. Deshaun Watson wants to go to the Jets, followed by the Dolphins. That's according to the Miami Herald. Uh, let me ask you a question about Kenny Galladay. Are you shaking in your boots if you're a Kenny Galladay 
fantasy manager, Dave. Why would I be shaking in my boots if I'm a Kenny Galladay fantasy manager? Why? Why? Because he's going to lose Matthew Stafford. Well, I mean, he might also gain a potentially a better quarterback than Matthew Stafford might, because but he's, he's a free agent. Like he's definitely uh, we, going. Oh, we okay. don't know where he's playing. Yeah, this seems like a franchise. You're right. You're right. If they franchise him and the Lions <laughs> with Anthony Lynn as their offensive coordinator and a new quarterback, yes, I, that would be very bad for Kenny Galladay. Okay. But not for his accountant. Pittsburgh signed Dwayne Haskins. Jamie, quick thoughts on Haskins and Dynasty. He's a great move for him, uh, looking at a destination where there's uh, not a long-term quarterback right now. I mean, Roethlisberger's got a year or two at most. And uh, if he goes in, gets through, goes through the Steelers car wash, and hopefully comes out clean on the other side and learns a few things, maybe he could be their starter. So Dynasty is a hold if you have a deep enough roster, but shallow rosters, I don't think he's a priority to hold right now. The uh, I'll get to all the coaching stuff in a minute. Greg Olson's retiring. Julian Edelman expected to play in 2021. Um, Tampa Bay, according to Ian Rappaport, wants Antonio Brown back in 2021. Hopefully he can play in the Super Bowl for their sake. Uh, Imagine that when the season started, you would have said Antonio <laughs> Brown, Leonard Fournette, Le'Veon Bell yeah. are all going to play in the Super Bowl. <laughs> you would have been laughed out of the room. I would have said, what, in Madden? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty, uh, pretty wild. Uh, we'll see if Bell plays, I guess, but you'd hope. You'd think Brown has a decent chance of getting there. I think Bell might be inactive for the Super Bowl yeah. at this point. He might, but I mean, at least they're on the roster. Good for them. Yeah. All right, new coaches and offensive coordinators. Let's recap, because since you guys last spoke, there have been some hirings, including Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia. The Jets uh, hired Robert Sala, San Francisco defensive coordinator. He's bringing over Mike LaFleur, Matt's brother, who had been working with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. The Chargers went with Rams defensive coordinator Brandon Staley, and they are closing in on Joe Lombardi, the Saints quarterback coach, to be their offensive coordinator. Urban Meyer for the Jaguars, um, and they brought in now Daryl Bevel, formerly of Seattle and Detroit, offensive coordinator. Uh, That's the coaching staff there for the Jaguars. Nothing yet for the Texans. Atlanta brought in Arthur Smith, Tennessee's offensive coordinator. And his OC will be Dave Ragone, the Chicago passing game coordinator. But it's going to be Arthur Smith's offense. Detroit brought in Dan Campbell, who sparked the, the best discussion we've ever had on fantasy football today last week when Jamie was talking about coaches that he would not want to fight and Campbell being at the top of the list. I'm sitting in the car listening. I'm like, Salah, Salah, like, don't fight Salah. And then Schrager finally brought it up. So good job, Schrager. Yeah, but then we had Campbell's press conference where he said he's going to gnaw off people's knees. No, no, it was after that. It was after that. But, um, yeah, I I think Robert Salah is not intimidated by Dan Campbell, and I would take him in the Mortal Kombat um, head coaching tournament. Oh, that's a good, that'd be good, that'd be a good fight. <laughs> that'd be a great fight. Uh, let's see. Uh, so Dan Campbell, uh, Anthony Lynn is going to be the offensive coordinator for Detroit. Anthony Lynn has had a, uh, a 50 catch running back every year as an offensive coordinator or head coach. So that's, it's great for Deandre Swift. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Philadelphia, Nick Sirianni is going to be their head coach. He has been a coordinator, but he's never called plays. He's bringing in Shane Steichen, chargers offensive coordinator as his OC. And two teams losing their offensive coordinator uh, for now. Well, yeah, Minnesota, Gary Kubiak retiring, and Tennessee lost Arthur Smith. Of course, I guess the Chargers also lost an offensive coordinator. The Colts did too, but that's Frank Reich's offense. But anyway, let's do some superlatives here, some fill-in-the-blanks. 
the coaching hire you are most excited about could be a coordinator or a coach. Coaching hire you're most excited about, Jamie, I'll give you the first word, is blank. I'm going to go with uh, Nick Sirianni. I, I think um, I'm curious to see. It's not with anything that I, I can tell you from an example standpoint, because like I said, he's never called plays, but he's got a lot to work with, you know, and, and I hope that for one, the run game translates from Indianapolis to Philadelphia from Miles Sanders standpoint. I hope they stick with Jalen Hurts as their quarterback, as opposed to Carson Wentz, because I, I like the upside of Hurts at this point more so than Wentz. I hope they let Wentz go to another team where he can get a chance to start. But I just want to see, you know, uh, new, new blood, new play calling, new situation, you know, for a guy that is getting an opportunity. I'm excited about it. So uh, hopefully he turns around that mess in Philadelphia after what we saw in 2020 and getting those offensive linemen back, I think is going to be a big part of that. Dave, how can you not say urban Meyer in Jacksonville? And I, I don't think he will necessarily call plays. I think that'll fall on Daryl Bevel, but I would imagine we're going to see a pretty good mesh of the two. Both of them certainly love their run games. Although Meyer, we've seen his offense transform from Utah to Florida to Ohio state. And I just think he's, I think he's got a sharp mind and I think he's innovative. I think he's proven that. And I think that getting Trevor Lawrence to be his quarterback, which seems like the most obvious thing, he called him the best quarterback in college football ever uh, earlier or last year. So I, I think that there's, I think the sky's the limit for Jacksonville. I think they really did a good job. So even though I'm curious to see how Arthur Smith does in Atlanta and how he maybe reboots that offense, I think Urban Meyer in Jacksonville adding a few pieces along the way is the one to be the most excited about. Okay. Like honestly, Tim Tebow is a better college quarterback than Trevor Lawrence. As far as just like he's a better performer, he yeah, wasn't right. Better. Yeah. Not obviously, he's not a better I mean, prospect, you can't say it but as he's a passer. He's arguably the best college quarterback ever. Didn't he? he? He was an amazing athlete. Uh, yeah, no, I, I know he wasn't like a great passer, but just in terms of production and playing, he won two championships. He's only the starting quarterback for one of them. Yeah, but, well, his yeah. coach just said Trevor Lawrence was the better quarterback in college. <laughs> well, he saw he saw it coming that he was going to be coaching Trevor Lawrence way in advance. All right, so Urban Meyer, <laughs> other you know noteworthy offensive minded college coaches that made the jump: Spurrier, Kelly. Kingsbury, Matt Rule, all four of them had offenses that scored more points in their first year as head coach than they did, you know, in the year before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rule was the least successful, but like Chip Kelly, Philadelphia scored 162 more points in Chip Kelly's first season. Uh, the big, you know, so that was that was good, uh, good precedent, I guess, for a guy like Urban Meyer. All right, how about the NFL player that gains the most from a new coaching staff, Dave? is blank player that gains the most from a new coaching staff. I think Matt Ryan qualifies here. Um, I, just knowing that we've got a, a, a play caller now in Atlanta who is innovative and is clever and creative and does a good job manipulating defenses and has a good two year track record of big success with Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback. So he's getting an upgrade there to Matt Ryan. And I, I, I just think that it's, it's a total flip of what he had in Tennessee. He's, he's basically inherited this amazing passing game and they need a run game. I don't think he's going to say, well, we need to find the next Derrick Henry and then we're going to pound him 20 times into the line. I think we're really going to see the creative juices flow from Arthur Smith. I think he's earned the chops to to have this job and I think he'll do well with it. And maybe Matt Ryan has a year like Aaron Rodgers just had where he's, you know, motivated to prove that, 
past couple of seasons were flukish, and he really is a winner in the NFL. Jamie, who gains the most NFL player? I'm going to go unknown because I want to see the running back in Atlanta and the running back for the Jets. I think those two potential spots are going to be fantastic because like Dave said, Arthur Smith, uh, we saw what he did with Derrick Henry. Obviously Henry's uh, an alien as we discussed previously. Um, but he's, uh, he's proven that he can get his run game going to a very high level. So I hope the Falcons make a smart choice and, and get a good running back there. And then the jets, obviously, you know, if you're going from the Shanahan tree and you know, you've seen one LaFleur do great with his running game with what Aaron Jones showed you. And it may be Aaron Jones going to the jets as a free agent. I wouldn't be surprised if that's a move that happens if the Jets decide to go uh, aggressively in free agency to get a running back. But uh, the two, the two running backs in those particular situations, I think will benefit greatly from the coaching staff uh, and the play callers there. All right, then let's go negative here. The player that loses the most from a new coaching staff is blank. Jamie, go first. Um, hmm. It may be uh, the skill players, the passing game guys, whoever ends up being the, the, the players in Detroit, because it's, I mean, you're, you're yep. seeing now two, two significant changes. You have a new head coach coming in. So there's change. And then the quarterback going out the door. So um, if Galladay does get the franchise tag and stays, or they're able to work out a deal, you know, I, I don't know how much he's going to benefit by losing Stafford on top of the coaching change. Um, and then, you know, while Anthony Lynn is good for Deandre Swift, you know, we'll just see what the, uh, the, the quarterback there is. So it, it's more of the personnel as opposed to the coach, but that's the, the, the situation that makes me the most concerned right now. I'm a little nervous about Justin Herbert in, uh, in LA with Joe Lombardi taking over and Lombardi. I think he had one good year. He, he was only the offensive coordinator for two years in Detroit. And I think he had one, his full year there was pretty good. And his second year there, maybe not quite as good. I might be wrong. He might've had three years there and got fired there in the third year, but I'm, I'm a little nervous about the direction of that offense under Lombardi Lombardi got this job because he's pals with Brandon Staley Lombardi called plays for Staley at uh Mercyhurst college in 2005 when Staley was their quarterback. <laughs> so I, I did, he get this job on the merit of what he did in new Orleans and Detroit? No, he got this job because he's tight with the new head coach. And I, that happens all the time in the NFL, but usually when it happens, the, the coach that's getting, that, that's a buddy. Um, like when Frank Reich went to Indianapolis, he brought Nick Sirianni with him from Sandy. Happened for Staley. Yeah, exactly. That's perfect. It happened for Staley too. So, but usually those well. guys like, have work qualifications. Out well. I don't know if Joe Lombardi's qualifications are necessarily that good. And I'm, I'm a little <laughs> nervous for Justin Dave, Herbert. He's got a Super Bowl trophy named after him. Give him a break, man. <laughs> Uh, is anybody worried about Ryan Tannehill without Arthur Smith? Yeah, that's a good one. You know, losing Arthur Smith could be interesting uh, to see what they decide to do to replace him. Um, so, yeah, Tannehill could be in a little bit of trouble. Sure. Okay. Good Henry. Absolutely. Uh, all right. The free agent that you want to see switch teams is blank, and you want him to sign with blank, Dave? I have three, but oh. the one that I think is – maybe the most obvious is Curtis Samuel going to Jacksonville and reuniting with urban Meyer. That's there. obvious. I think <laughs> most it, obvious. I, to me, it was, I, you know, you guys can give me one that's a little more obvious than that, but I think Curtis Samuel could be dynamite there. With, I don't disagree. Uh, I just don't think it's obvious. Okay. Well, that's one of them. I'll let Jamie go next. And then if he doesn't name who I have on my list, then I'll, I'll, I'll spew it out. Okay. Jamie. 
Um, I, I hope I hope I'm not as obvious. Um, I I mean I said you know Aaron Jones to me going to uh, one of those respective destinations, and I'll throw a third one in there: Seattle if they move on from Chris Carson. So uh, Carson could also be in the mix to go to one of those teams as well. Um, but I do think you know any of those running backs that end up in the for the Jets because I do think that offensive line is is uh, on the rise as we saw last year. I think the Falcons will get their situation fixed with Arthur Smith. And I think Seattle obviously has shown you what they want to be uh, once again. So um, any running back that ends up in those spots, but uh, Carson, Aaron Jones would be the two highlights of this free agent class for me. Okay. The other ones I had were Trent Williams going to either Jacksonville or LA with the chargers and Johnu Smith could be the best free agent tight end on the market. And uh, Hunter Henry's better. I don't know about that. I'm not sure. I think Janu with the Jets, we know that the passing game coordinator is now there with the Jets. The floor is there. Is he going to try and find his next Kittle? And Janu isn't much as a blocker, but as a as a uh, matchup nightmare for defenses, he could be pretty good there. Well, I think the obvious, obvious one is Allen Robinson getting out of Chicago. I think we would all... Right, but where, we, like where would you that. want him to go where you would be... With among the teams with new coaches, where you would be super excited. Well, it didn't have to be a team with a new coach necessarily, but uh, if we're just limiting it to that, honestly, almost all of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Jackson, oh, back in Jacksonville. I, I mean, Jacksonville. I'm sure that's not going to happen, but that would be tremendous. Um, I don't. Not the Jets. The Jets, no. Well, if they get Watson. If they get Watson, then hell yes. Um, Atlanta, no, that's not going to work. Um, Philadelphia? Anywhere but Chicago, I think. Philadelphia would be great. Yeah. Got some some good options there. All right, good stuff. Let's uh, let's recap for you. The coaching hire you're most excited about. Jamie said Nick Sirianni. Dave said Urban Meyer. The player who gains the most from a new coaching staff, Matt Ryan for Dave. The unknown Jets and Falcons running backs for Jamie. And I think we, you know, we agree DeAndre Swift stands to be a winner here uh, with his new coaching staff. Uh, the player who loses the most from a new coaching staff, Jamie said the Detroit passing game could be in worse shape, and Dave's a little worried about Justin Herbert. And the free agent you want to see switch teams is Curtis Samuel to Jacksonville. That would be pretty fun uh, for Dave. Aaron Jones to the Jets, Falcons, or Seahawks. I don't know, Jamie. Like, Do you really want to see Aaron Jones leave Green Bay? I guess that's the question. Or are you just assuming he will? Yeah, I'm assuming that he will. You know, I, I just can't see. If they haven't signed him already, after the entire landscape of guys from his class, and what those other players accomplished compared to what he accomplished, he should have been uh, compensated along the same lines already. They clearly told you in the draft last year by taking A.J. Dillon, their plans. Yeah. If I'm Green Bay, I signed Jamal Williams to a cheap deal. Yes. Keep yep. him there. Obviously go with A.J. Dillon. Let those two guys fight for the starting role. Most likely Dillon's the guy on first and second down. Well, Jamal Williams is on third down. Um, and you let Aaron Jones walk. Not that Aaron Jones is not a great player. He is. But you know, I, I think you can get good enough production there for Jordan Love to get that Packers offense in good shape. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's read some We're laughing about here. it now, but two months from now. Uh, you know what I'm not laughing about? I, I'm so, I, Kevin King had such a bad, bad game on Sunday. Bad game? You're giving him credit. Wow, was he bad. I mean, the, obviously the Hail Mary-ish play, the deep ball at the end of the first half was bad. The, the, his coverage on Mike Evans on the Evans the first, touchdown yeah, the first was touchdown so bad. Was, was terrible. What was he doing? It's like he thought the ball was going to be underthrown or something, and then it gets the pass interference. And there was just, I mean, I tweeted about it, I know, so sorry for repeating uh, if you saw the tweet, but he got up at one point in the game late in the 
late in the game, and he started talking trash. Mike Evans whipped him, beat him, and dropped the ball downfield. That was just before the sec- the Brady interception that went off Evans' hands. Evans had a drop earlier in the drive. He beats Kevin King and drops the ball. King had already given up two touchdowns at that point. Gets up and starts talking trash. Like, what are That's you doing? That's a quarterback doing? mentality, man. Oh, come on. you got to be so, better. Uh, By the way, he's a free agent now. I do props uh, on on HQ before every playoff game. I do it during the week, also, you know, for uh, all the primetime games. Um, I always go with the 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 plus props, so um, the ones that are always juiced in her favor. And um, so uh, I hit on all three of my props yesterday, but the one that I was a little nervous about was Mike Evans under four and a half catches. It was at plus uh, plus one ten, and so he has two catches in the first drive. I'm like, oh man, I'm dead. There's no way this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> he finishes with three. It's amazing. Uh, that he couldn't he couldn't get more than the two catches, but uh, the t- the two easy props in that one was uh, Leonard Fournette over his three and a half receptions. I don't know what uh, William Hill was thinking with that one because he had four catches in each of the two playoff games, so that was easy. And then uh, over eleven and a half carries also was was an easy one for him because he's clearly the best running back for the Bucks right now. Whether that you know translates to the off season or even the Super Bowl, but. Um, He's been their leading ball carrier for three games in a row. Mike, I am so sick of that running back situation. Ronald Jones didn't play. Well, not if you're banking on Fournette right now. No, but I'm just sick of like, oh, it's Ronald Jones. He loves Ronald Jones. And Jones didn't play against Washington, right? He was out. Don't, uh, well, no, he, he's, he was hurt. He got hurt in pregame warmups. Right, but he didn't play. He didn't have a touch as far as no. I recall. All right, let's go to some emails. Fantasyfootball at CBSI.com. Uh, Michael in Castro Valley, California. When doing rankings and projections for next season, how do these factors rank in order of importance? One, head coach and coordinator changes. Two, year-to-year consistency. Three, injury history. Four, strength of schedule. All of it matters. Yeah, how would you yeah, rank Yeah, but the strength them, of schedule matters the least of the four. Year-to-year consistency has got to be where you start, right? I mean, sure. Look at I mean, that's a, that's a selling point for any player. Yeah, the coaching staff matters too. Injury history matters. I mean, it all matters, it matters I mean, a lot. I don't think there's one you say is is that much more important than the other. They all go hand in hand. I you don't think that just general. I'm sorry. You know, I know this sounds obvious, but just what a player has done is the most important thing by far, right? Sure, but we just got through talking about coaching changes. So what a player has done, and now you're bringing in somebody different. It matters, but not, okay. Matters. So let's use an it example. Let's use an example then. Um, established well, player. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has now been two years into a new coach. Last year was terrible. This year was fantastic. <sighs> oh, yes. Um, but you ranked him based on him being Aaron Rodgers in 2019, not based on him having a new coach. Right. And then we ranked him based on having a new coach and how bad it looks in 2020. And then he was Aaron Rodgers again. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so uh, it goes hand in hand. Question num- question number two from Dwayne. Where uh, is where's Dwayne from, Dave? Uh, Silver Springs, Maryland. Yes. Would you ding both Dalvin Cook and Saquon Barkley for being injury prone, or is just Dalvin Cook considered injury prone? Uh, Saquon's the one who's missed chunks of the last two seasons. Right, but two years ago it was <laughs> right, Dalvin yeah, Cook yeah. who missed chunks of the first two seasons. I think they're both the same. They're they're both injury risks. Um, Dalvin has proven now to, you know, hopefully overcome it. Uh, hopefully Saquon will as well. Um, I'm always, you know, more inclined to say, you know, guys that are missing time for soft tissue injuries are injury prone 
as opposed to guys that suffer significant injury. And both those guys suffered ACL tears. Cook as a rookie, Barkley last year. Um, the high ankle sprain injury for Barkley was a problem, clearly, in his sophomore campaign. Um, Dalvin, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that what he did this year, he had the groin injury. He missed a game that I think he could have played based on the reports. They had their bye week the week after. He sat out that game, sat out the bye week, was back the following week, and then finishes out the season until the untimely death of his father in, in, in week 17. So, you know, I, if you're talking about, you know, like to me, and, and I don't want to use this just on him, but like think about Devontae Parker the first few years of his career. It was always a hamstring or, uh, you know, calf or, or, you know, something soft tissue related. Those guys to me are, are injury prone. Um, something that, you know, you, you get a fluke injury. And I think an ACL is still a fluke injury. High ankle sprain is somewhat of a fluke injury. Um, those things, I, I'm not going to fault the player for, you know, those type of situations. How many times did Dalvin Cook fake us out, though? Like, hobble off the field and it's like, uh-oh. I'm putting in my notes. Dalvin Cook left in the second quarter and then deleting it in my notes. times. Because he, yeah. he kept that was, coming uh, back. That was LaShawn McCoy's deal when, uh, in his prime. Uh, all right, Garrett is from Frankfurt, Germany. And he says, who's a good running back trade target for my Michael Thomas in half PPR dynasty? Is Chubb for Thomas fair? Sure. It's, it's probably fair on paper, but I mean, let's just say Michael Thomas gets Matthew Stafford or some miracle gets Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers. Receivers are always going to have more shelf life. So even though he's probably a year or two older than Nick Chubb, he probably still has a, a higher, a longer shelf life as a better fantasy option. So I would probably want Chubb and maybe a little bit of a draft pick compensation on top of it. Yeah, don't forget, Chubb's 25. He played, he had a long college career, so he's kind of an older running back. Uh, whereas like Saquon Barkley... Thomas is what, 28, 29? Thomas? I'll check. I don't know. Um, let's see, how old is Barkley? Barkley Michael is Thomas almost is... 24. He'll be 28 by next 27. He'll be 28 in March. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Good show. Good for to shake the rust off. Thank you. Welcome back. Oh, uh, I forgot. Cobra Kai is Cobra Bai. Didn't like it. Not good. Oh, you're terrible, man. Yep. I get that a lot, but uh, I just, it was. (laughs) You're terrible. It got better as it went along. You got, what, six episodes in, you said? I think eight. I think eight. Eight episodes in? I just couldn't. I streamed it over like three days. Good. It's good. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's fun. It's fun. It was, kind, no it, was, it was kind of fun. No, I'm watching a show that's extremely fun. I'm not even, it's so good. And I'm not even going to tell one. you what it is. No, I'm not going to tell you until I finish. Well, I need a new one. I'll tell you off the air. But, I, right. I, but the listeners are going to spoil it for me by just saying something like a little kind of benign that tells me something I don't want to know. So I, I will tell you all this great show I started, when I finish um, it in a couple weeks. I started Shit's Creek. Yeah. And uh, three episodes in, I like it so far. It's great. And then when I'm done with that, I still have to get to the second season of The Mandalorian, and I got to go. Uh, Do you see Ozarks? Yeah, Ozark is awesome. You're like yeah. you just sounded like an 80 year old. You called it Ozarks, but yeah, it's Ozark. <laughs> it's just not for- <laughs> <laughs> Ozark is one of the best shows. Yeah, it's a must see. Okay. All right. Cool. Good stuff. Thanks, everybody. We will talk to you tomorrow with a look at the tight end position, and I think Heath's return, right, Craig? Yeah, if Heath comes back, yeah. All right, yeah. Well, hopefully we'll have Heath tomorrow. So uh, looking forward to that. Uh, Have a good one. Talk to you then.